Welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown, and today I have Dan Roach on the pod with me. Dan, how are we doing? Working through some router issues, but I'm here. <laughs> uh, I believe we we were fighting through those last time, correct me if I'm not wrong? Classic Revere. Yep, Classic Revere. We're also ha- hoping to have Zach Lacey on the pod. And I think, he- and I, I think we will. He just, uh, just pinged. I believe he will be joining uh, shortly, so we'll be having him join the show in just a little bit. But while we wait for Zach to hop on, let's kind of set the table. We are going to talk some Red Sox baseball. We're going to recap their first half stretch as well as preview the trade deadline. Now, the Red Sox began a stretch where they played teams that were at least 500 or better beginning in late June, albeit from one aside from one series where they played the Chicago Cubs and they didn't even win that one. Uh, but the Red Sox really struggled during that stretch against really good competition. They limped into the all-star break with a record of 48 and 45. They lost six of seven going into the break and 14 of 20. So it was, it was tough times for our Red Sox. The losing stretch was mostly at the hands of fellow AL East division teams with the Sox going a measly five and 12 against them. Now it's, it's been for several reasons uh, you can point to just bad play overall all across the board, but the injuries are also starting to pile up for the team. Devers, Rafael Devers just got put on the IL with a hamstring issue. Chris Sale, shocker, out again, this time for a fractured pinky. J.D. Martinez has missed the past four games with back spasms. Trevor Story landed on the IL with a bruised hand. Several pitchers out, including Matt Strom, Connor Siebold, Michael Walker, Rich Hill. And you've also got the likes of Carlos Arroyo, Kiki Hernandez still out, still waiting on returns from Matt Barnes and a season debut, maybe sometime ever from James Paxton. So a lot of, lot of injuries of late. And the Red Sox, like I said, really, really limped into the all-star break. And the last two games before and the first game out, really, really miserable games and performances from the Red Sox. They lost those last two games to the New York Yankees by a combined score of 27 to three. And apparently that wasn't bad enough. So they said in the first game after the all-star break, hold our beer, let's lose 28 to five to the Toronto Blue Jays. So what does that mean? Well, it means they set history. They set the worst kind of history as in set a record for worst run differential in a three game span in the modern era, the modern era of baseball goes back to the year 1900. That's bad. It, the, the only worst stretch is from a team that I didn't even know existed at one point in time, the Louisville colonels in 1897 had a worst run differential stretch uh, uh, somewhere around like minus 50. This, this is bad. This is, Real, real bad. And now, after being swept by the Toronto Blue Jays in the first series after the Red Sox break, 
The Red Sox are 12 and 29 against the entire AL East on the season to the date, whereas there's 36 and 19 versus everyone else. They've lost nine of their last 10 overall and are now three games back of the final wildcard spot. So, DR, after hearing all of that, where where do you stand on the Boston Red Sox right now? Give me your thoughts on the team, of how they went, how they played on the first half, and kind of how you're feeling right now. So, I, the first half, I mean, it's 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 they are ice cold. I remember the first pod that we did, um, you know, after the the season preview, the first check in, we were like, wow, this is not fun. Mm-hmm. Then we check in the second time and they're the hottest team in baseball. And, you know, we're, we're having a party, you know, the season's not over. They dug themselves out of the hole and, and here we go. Now it's go time. And I think that they've kind of reverted. Yeah. They've had some injuries, but, and, and I know the math says that they're still in it. They're only three games back. That doesn't, you know, on paper, it doesn't feel that bad, but these losses, the way that they've lost, how the team has just looked in these losses and the scoreboard alone has left just a brutal taste, I think, in, in my mouth and everyone who supports the Red Sox mouth, including the players in the front office, as well as, of course, the fans. Um, I know that they're not out of it, but, man, it sucks right now. And, and they need some guys to get healthy. I think they just need some people to play better baseball as, as a whole team. So, Yeah. And I'll kind of get your guys' thoughts on who in particular really needs to get going and step up. But uh, those laughs you heard in the background are from the one and only Zach Lacey. So, Zach, how we doing? What's up? Sorry I'm late. Uh, It's all good. Give me your thoughts. Uh, I think you caught most of what I gave for our kind of setting the table there. Uh, Give me your thoughts on the Red Sox first half and where we're at now. Um. So, yeah, so most of the good majority of the first half, it felt like they were in a spot to make some noise in the playoffs. And now they just feel like one of the worst teams in baseball. Um, Is that because they're just going again? They've been going against the AL East for a month and the Yankees and Blue Jays and Rays are just really good at baseball. Maybe. Um, I mean, they're beating the Guardians. Sick. One nothing. But. Boy, if you can't beat any of those three teams, what chance do you really have in the playoffs? Um, so I'm firmly on the the sell, sell, sell train right now. Yeah, and we will we will definitely be talking about what the Red Sox should be doing at the deadline. Uh, Dr, you kind of alluded to kind of maybe it's it's just a, a healthy thing and some guys needing to to kind of get going. But what would you say has been the the key thing like what's been the blame for this bad stretch is it is it simply just they've run into better teams uh, specifically within their own division and they just don't match up well with them or or is it just something else yeah i mean even in this losing stretch it's not like the red sox are putting up like no runs i guess but when your your offense isn't really clicking and your rotation is you know badly hurt i think you're just going to feel things and, you know, not that people were hanging their hat on a Chris sale return, but I think when you factor that in, in addition to some of the other um, rotational pieces who aren't available right now, that one stung a little bit more than it maybe should have, or 
would have otherwise. And I, I mean, the story has been the same all year. Mm-hmm. JD yeah. and Xander endeavors are the whole offense. Yeah. If, if you look at the first half stats from the lineup, like the splits lineup spots, two through five have been fantastic and everything else has been really piss poor story in the six spot has put up some nice counting stats in terms of home runs and RBIs. Uh, but that's about it. You, you look at the kind of OBP batting average and counting stats from the other spots, even the leadoff spot. And it's, it's been, uh, it's been miserable at times and you're going to need more than a couple of guys to, to lean on. You're going to need the majority of the lineup to get going if you really want to turn things around and compete with the best teams within your own division, let alone the best teams in the American league and in MLB as a whole, uh, Zach, what, what do you, what would you point to as the key reason for their struggles of late? Yeah. I mean, health, health is part of it. The sale, the sale one hurts. He came the first game he came back. He, he looked good as much as Jonathan would never say that. He looked really good, and it wasn't like his body broke down this time. It's a fluke injury getting nailed by a line drive. It was. <clears throat> I mean, Kike was so big last year in the leadoff spot, and him being hurt for such a long period of time and sucking at the beginning of the year, I think has really hurt this team a lot. Um, he's not going to get talked about a ton. Story, I mean, 15 bombs with 220. I think you're expecting a little more there and you're and JD Bogarts were part of the, the threesome for the first half, but they have like 11 RBIs in the past, like 40 games. So if you're not driving in runs with your big guys and the rest of the team sucks, it's going to be a long year. Yeah. I, I think the, the rotation has actually been okay for, for the, the majority of the stretch, there have been some clunkers for sure, but I I still harp on the bullpen, and the bullpen has its moments. But then there there are some games where they're tasked with maintaining like a two or three run lead, and they just promptly blow it in the most epic of fashions. And part of it is compounded with just utter embarrassing in fielding plays. Uh, but they're the bullpen for me is just a starting point for seemingly every conversation of why this team struggles. And it's because whenever they do have a lead and it's a a small lead, it seems like they can never maintain it. Uh, I think that Tanner hook has been a a kind of a nice solid starting point to trying to gain some uh, stability to the back end. But again, I still don't know if he's the answer. And you saw in that one series that he played in Toronto where he wasn't uh, available due to COVID-19 policy up in Canada and the bullpen just utterly fluttered and they were lucky to escape that series with one win based on how they played. Uh, So is, I guess I want to kind of dive more into the whole ALEs thing because the Red Sox against, like Zach said, the Blue Jays, the Rays, the uh, the uh, the Yankees have just been miserable of, of, over the past month and a half. And it's been that way all season long. They can't even beat Baltimore. I know Baltimore is playing much better of late, but the are they are they are the Reds? Is it like 
are we getting to the point where we might have to call the Boston Red Sox the worst team in their own division? Yeah. Yeah, they they very well might be. I think uh, st- standards-wise and statistically, I would say, yeah, but they're underachieving. Yeah, and I, I, I can definitely agree with that. Talent-wise, they have no business being the worst team in, the, in their division. So underachieving is 100% a part of it. Uh, the problem that I see is that the second-half schedule – which they've already begun and have not done so hot with already is not going to get any better. They have 66 games remaining, including tonight's game, uh, the series opener against the guardians and only 14 of them, 14 out of 66 games are versus teams below 500. As of today, that obviously can change, but it puts things into perspective that they have very few cupcake matchups left remaining on their schedule and it's going to be a dogfight for them to turn things around yeah and it's not like you can count on baltimore being free wins anymore either no and i think that's been one of the like most surprising aspects of the first half going into the second half is the kind of i don't want to call it a meteoric rise but the the incredibly hot play of both the Orioles and the Seattle Mariners pushing into pl- at least playoff contention spots. The Mariners currently hold, I believe, the third and final wild card spot right now, right behind Toronto and Tampa. So the Red Sox have some serious work to do because not only are they chasing the likes of those three teams, they're tied with Baltimore entering tonight. I think they're tied with the White Sox as well. And Cleveland is sitting there ahead of them a couple games ahead of them as well. So the Red Sox have some serious work to do, but if they can somehow turn things around, they are going to have the chance to, to get some of those, some of that ground back that they've given up over the past month. If, if they can turn it around as they're going to be playing teams that are going to be right there with them or ahead of them. Uh, The question I guess becomes with the trade deadline looming, I believe it's a week from today, August yep. sec. Uh, uh, tomorrow. Yeah, a week from tomorrow. Yeah, yep. week from tomorrow. So the trade deadline is fast approaching. I know that we've already kind of uh, hinted at it, but what what is the position that the team should take going into the trade deadline? Dr. I will start with you. Should should is the team? getting to the point where they need to sell or should they still be looking at kind of getting some late season help or should they just stand pat and let it just let the chips fall where they may? Um, that's a tough one. I, I think before today, if you had asked me yesterday, I would have said reluctantly they got, they, they got to sell. I think today, the news that the qualified, the MOBPA or, and I think the owners or whoever didn't reach an agreement. And so the qualifying offer system still stands. That is a big development for the Red Sox. They've got at least three guys who, you know, could be part of that Bogarts, Avaldi, and JD Martinez, I guess, technically sale if he opts out, but he won't. Um, those are all guys who I could see the Red Sox extending qualifying offers to, and they'll get, you know, not, not bad picks for that. I think that they're, in that like second round or like third round, like um, compensatory area. I, I think that they're not really bad picks. So that, that changes the dynamic in the math. I think a little bit, you know, maybe 
maybe there is more credence to ride it out. You are a big market team, but ultimately I just, if the prices are good and it sounds like they will be, and you can move JD Martinez and get like some real pieces back for it. And you can move some of these guys like a Matt Strom who's up at the end of this year, who I, I think has been all right. You know, maybe you should because the AL East looks like a wagon. I don't, I'm not putting money on them to, to come out of it. So I think I'm still saying so, but it's, 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 it's a lot more reluctant now with the fact that the qualifying offer system still stands. Mm, that's a good point that you bring up there, DR. Zach, what's, what's your stance right now? Is it, I know you kind of already alluded to it, but give me some players that you would like to see moved if the team were to go full sell mode. Yeah. I mean, they just, you just don't have the, you don't have the pitching to be a real world series contender. I mean, you need like aces and you need people ready to go and they just, they don't have any of that. Um, let's see if all these on the last year of his deal, that's a good guy. Send to a contender. Is, is, is up too. Vasquez is up. JBJ's up. Not that anybody probably wants him, but I think JBJ is a mutual option next year for 12 mil, and I'll kill myself with Red Sox pick. <laughs> <laughs> Sir. Uh, Kike's up. Um, Waka's up. He's really good this year, so chance they can move him for a little something. Honestly, anybody that's up, um, I'm fine with them moving. Even if they even if they want to move Deekman, um, I know a lefty specialist and somebody I think probably he's got want him. Another year. He's got maybe. two more he's got two more years. Yeah. yeah. So that's even better. More years of control, maybe get something more for him. The um, only thing I'll say is, is 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 with moving anyone is if you're gonna move like Bogarts, and I, I know that, that may maybe is a larger conversation, you can probably get a haul for Bogarts, but long term who is playing shortstop for this team? Or sorry, not long term, but the next like three years. Who, who's your shortstop? If, if Trevor you Story. What, what are you? What are we talking about? No, no. I have good sources that his arm is fucked. He cannot play shortstop. All right, you can make a throw from second. You can make a throw from short. It's not that much. No, further. he can't. Okay. That I just disagree with that. So. Well, is the answer if 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 we're saying that Bogarts? Uh, is not the answer at shortstop long term, and Trevor Story is obvious is going to stick around for the foreseeable future with that, uh, him being on the first year of a several year deal. Uh, wh- where would the next answer come from? It does it come from the the farm system, or are you just gonna have to dole out more money in free agency? Yeah, I mean, ideally you're just tiding things over till till Meyer's ready to go. That's um, that's like two three years though. Yeah. Uh, so so now that begs the question: What kind of if the Red Sox sell, are they going full rebuild mode, or are we just kind of selling some pieces, some pieces, excuse me, that are convenient to sell that are kind of allow you to kind of accelerate a a a rebuild of sorts and kind of not so much go into a full-blown tank and rebuild, but kind of, okay, you're not really competing this year. Maybe maybe you're struggling next year, but then then you're it's the year after the year that you really get to make another strong push. Is that where this team is at? Well, I don't... I'll say is, is Trevor Story, there's a, there's a reason that when Bogarts is as an off day or is it comes out of the game for whatever reason, there's a reason that Story doesn't go over to short. 
And it's not because they want to hurt, don't want to hurt Bogart's feeling or whatever, or they like Trevor Story at second. Yeah. He can't make that so maybe he gets, maybe he gets uh, surgery in the offseason and maybe he gets that, that arm strength back, but that on. Yeah, I think you're getting too caught up on the who's going to play shortstop too because Red Sox have never had an elite shortstop when they went and won a World Series. So uh, it, defensively, just get some guy who's good defensively and whatever. Um, but to so answer then I, court- I'd say that person's Jeter Downs. I mean, he's good defensively, but you're probably going to have a lot of holes in him at the plate. Sure. That, that's who I think would be the guy. I don't particularly like it, but. He can be the guy for now. I mean, they had Julio Lugo there one year. Who gives a shit? Yeah, and I, I gave a shit. I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But, yeah, so there are – I think what we can agree on is that there are some different avenues that the Red Sox can pursue and that this whole this next week is going to be very important because I feel like if the Red Sox can't even beat the Guardians, who they swept the last time they played him, uh, about uh, about two months ago, or no, a month ago. I'm sorry, they played them a month ago on the road in Cleveland. Swept them. If you can't even win the series here at home, that kind of tells me that the, the I don't know if there's any way that they can bounce back, especially when the schedule doesn't get easier. And I will harp on that because the the when they got hot, it was because they were playing strictly teams outside of the division that weren't as good, but standings wise they were right there with them so we didn't want i wanted to give them credit for that but it's it's becoming painfully obvious that now that they're even playing strictly teams at or above them in the standings that look like for sure playoff teams they can't hang with them so the question is is can they do anything within the next week to really change management's mind in order to avoid them becoming a sell now team and at least making the case to stand either stand pat or maybe add a piece, a small piece here. Cause I don't think there's any, any way that this team could entertain trying to go for a big name. And so that I think that's something that we can sort of pivot to now is the trade deadline from the league wide perspective. There could be some really big names on the market. I don't think, the Red Sox will be a viable spot for any of them. That being said, uh, let's start with the biggest name that I think is most obvious on the market, and that is Juan Soto, the right fielder for the Washington Nationals. A lot of teams have apparently been interested, and there are several potential destinations for him. Zach, I will start with you. Where do you think Juan Soto ends up if he gets moved before the trade deadline? Oof, it's a it's a toss up for me. Um, I got the Met, I got the Mets and the Dodgers. Mm. Uh, it, hearing reports of the Dodgers, they didn't want to give up Gavin Lux. Now they are willing to include him in a package. The Mets don't want to give up Alvarez, the catcher uh, prospect. But, I mean, you get Juan Soto out of it. How do you – I think the Nationals will – I when it comes down to it, probably want to move him not in the division 
So I'll say the Dodgers, they got as many prospects as, as every, as anybody else seemingly every year, somehow, uh, even though they give them up every year at the trade deadline, but they just keep getting more and more. So Dodgers. Hmm. Now, DR, I know you don't like to kind of look at things outside of the Boston Red Sox lens. So let me kind of re rearrange the question for you. If the Red Sox were to even fathom making a play for Juan Soto, A, would you be all for it? And B, what in the world would it take for the Red Sox to get him? Uh, I'm going to kick that can because my connection looks pretty bad right now. <laughs> Do you want me to repeat the question? No. I, okay. Actually, sorry. It just went, it was, it was low. So I didn't want to like have much of bad airtime, but I, I, it's going to take a lot for the Red Sox. I was screwing around. They've got like an MLB trade simulator and I was looking at what like it would take. And it would take like Meyer, Cassius, um, who's the next York and like Bayo. And you still have to like kick in some more. It, from a Red Sox standpoint, I'd love the guy. I mean, he's a good fit here. They need another outfield bat, especially, you know, somebody, I mean, who, who couldn't use Twanzo? But, um, yeah. I just then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so basically what DR is trying to say is that there, it would take basically you selling the top end of your farm. And then that still would have to include an MLB ready guy or two. Uh, from the 40-man roster uh, in order to make that happen. And personally, I don't know if I want to sell for Juan Soto. I know he's a, he's a great, great up-and-coming talent. I think he's only 24 years old, uh, but he is going to require a monstrous contract. He declined what I believe was a 15-year $440 million uh, extension from the Nationals. So you're going to have to pay him something along those lines in order to get him to stay. Otherwise, you're giving up the farm for a rental, and there is no way any organization can even fathom that. Uh, yeah, and, and do, doing the trade for Juan and signing him means Devers is gone. Yes. So I, I personally, especially given the fact that Soto has struggled from a – batting average and OBP perspective this year. I mean, he's still hitting like 250. The OBP is reasonable, but it's it's not what you would like to see from a guy that you would be having to sell basically the farm for. Uh, so personally, I don't think the Red Sox should should pursue that avenue. And I don't think they they have made any inquiries. Maybe they've, they've pondered it, uh, but I, I don't think that's a, uh, an option for them and nor I'll should also they say, I'll also say, I don't think he, he gets moved at the deadline. I think when you, when you see somebody who, who, you know, requires a really big contract, like I think that soda has got a couple more years left, right? Yeah. He's got two more years of control. I think. Yeah. I, I just think that when, so, th- so there's no like real onus on the nationals to move him at this year's deadline. And I think when you see these big name players get moved, it's not really at deadlines. It's in the off season when, teams have more payroll and they can, they can sort of build around, you know, including that not having a, you know, a season ready payroll already, and then trying to include, you know, somebody of that caliber. Um, I mean, they're never going to get more, more for him prospect wise than they would right now. Yeah. I would, I would have to agree with that. 
just because the longer you wait, the less of the current control that you would have. You said you right. mentioned that he has two more years of, of control left on him after this year. If if you wait another year or two, then he becomes a real, real legit rental. And teams like the, the San Diego Padres or the St. Louis Cardinals, who were, are also rumored to be highly engaged with the Nationals in pursuing Juan Soto, they're not going to be willing to take any chances on on Juan Soto either, especially without not without a an agreement for an extension for Soto in place prior to the the deal. I think that would I think any Juan Soto deal basically has to include that contract extension. Hundred percent. So uh, I I do get where you're coming from, Dr. And I I do agree to an extent that the the Nationals aren't necessarily. Uh, don't have to rush this trade. They don't have to necessarily make it happen this week or before this trade deadline. But the longer they wait and the longer they let this kind of drag out, whether it's because they think that they can ultimately change Soto's mind or or what have you, they are going to lose value on Soto uh, just from a team control sense unless you can get that extension done and worked out to make the trade happen as well. So I think I I really think that the nationals should probably try to move him sooner rather than later, but yes, they don't necessarily have to get it done before this year's trade deadline, but he's not the only big name that is apparently could be moved. Uh, Apparently there are some reports now. I don't think they're very valid, but Shohei Otani has come up on the trade rumor uh, rumor mill. If the Angels can't figure things out from an organizational standpoint, as Otani becomes a free agent at the end of 2023. So I have no idea where he would end up. But Zach, do you think that there's any sort of kind of legitness uh, per se to Shohei potentially being on the move? Man, they. Uh, <laughs> if one if one Soto is going to command a farm, then Otani is going to command an entire country. <laughs> uh, you get a guy; he's right up there with the best hitters in baseball, and he pitches. Like, I, I can't even start to fathom what a package would have to be put together to get him out of L L A. Um. I just can't believe the angels can never figure it out. You got Mike Trout. You got Shohei Otani. How in the world can you not build a team around those two? Every year they just miss the playoffs. It's so depressing. Not never seeing Mike Trout in the playoffs. And they're not even, they're never even close. Yeah. I I don't, don't, I've never understood that either. It's been a a crime. It's probably a federal crime that the (laughs) angels have wasted Mike Trout's career to this point. And honestly, the fact that we haven't yet seen playoff Shohei or really playoff Trout either, uh, it is a crime. It is a shame. Uh, DR, do you have any thoughts on Shohei Otani and him possibly being traded before the deadline? Yeah, I'll say in the case of Otani and also Soto, the only way that these deals get done in my mind is if they're also paired with some of these bad contracts, like Patrick Mm -hmm. Corbin uh, with Soto or 
you know, Rendon, isn't he getting a boatload and doesn't he like suck and is always hurt? Yeah, he's still on the aisle. Yep. So I, I just wonder if that's the avenue that, that teams would, you know, be able to get a reasonable thing similar to when, you know, the, the Red Sox moved price in the Mookie Betts deal. Yeah. I know that that's a sticking point to some of the, some of the teams uh, that are looking into getting Soto is the Nats want them to take on Patrick Corbin as part of the deal. And some of the teams are a little put off by that. Uh, I know the Padres specifically uh, are reportedly not thrilled at the uh, idea of having to take on Patrick Corbin. So that could be a sticking point that makes it tough on, on them, but that could also mean that that could also mean that the Dodgers could benefit from that because I don't think they would have any issue taking on extra payroll. They've done it before. No. So I think that there are that would benefit a team like the Dodgers who could give two flying Fs about taking on more money. Uh, they could also use a little bit of, of starting pitcher death themselves. So why not take a flyer on a guy that has been – a, a quality arm in the past. Obviously, he's fallen off a cliff in the recent years, but that's a, that's a guy that helped the Nationals uh, make a championship run in 2020 or was it 2019? Was it a couple 2018? Uh, I forget. But it, it was it was a couple of years ago before Patrick Corbin just epically fell off a cliff. Um, Do you guys know how much Otani's making this year? Uh, I guess not a lot. Is he, uh, off off the arbitration? Off the he's top, still, of my he's head. one more arbitration. No, I don't know if international plays. Off top of my head, no. But doing a quick Google search, he is under contract this year. Oh, don't year. give it away. All right. Was Dr. trying to guess? Oh, I don't know. Were you guessing, Dr. 18. Oh, God. Five and a half. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. 2023, he's in arbitration eligible and then unrestricted 2024. That's my crazy. word. Uh, yeah, that's a steal. I I don't. Five and a half million. Are you kidding me? For an MVP. Get out of here. Uh but there are a couple other names that could end up moving before the deadline. Uh, Luis Castillo from the Cincinnati Reds and then Wilson Contreras, the catcher for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, they'll probably both be on the move if the deal is right. And where he ends up, where both of them end up could be certainly interesting. I, I don't know what, where they could end up. Do you guys have any thoughts on what would be the best fit for either of those guys? Zach, I'll start with you. Um, Contreras would be Contreras would probably be a nice fit out in out in San Diego, maybe. Um, mm. Their catching has always been pretty subpar. I mean, they got Jorge Alfaro, but he's nothing, nothing special. And Contreras just would give them a huge boost. Uh, Castillo, man, I, I could see him going to like any of the legit contenders. Yeah. That, that one, that one feels to me like who just gives the reds the best deal. Right. The reds are going to have a big bidding war on their hands there. I 
Whereas the, the Cubs, it Dumb. seems like Contreras is destined to be dealt, but like not every contender needs a catcher. The Yankees right. have a, a pseudo all-star catcher, no matter how fluky you think it is in Jose Trevino. Uh, the Dodgers are set with Will Smith. The Astros, uh, they could use an offensive bat at catcher, mm-hmm. I think, but defensively, they've got one of the best in the game there. So I don't know if they'd be willing to make mo- Moon's move for a guy like Contreras. Maybe the Mets hop in, but I, I don't, I don't know. Who, who knows? I feel like the market is a lot bigger for Casillo than it is Contreras. Absolutely. So. Let me get your final thoughts, and we'll start with you, Dr. On the trade deadline, do you guys think this will be a quiet one? You think there will be some blockbuster moves between now and the trade deadline on August second? Uh, and give me your answers from both a Red Sox perspective and from a league-wide sense. Um, I think you'll see. I I don't think you'll see like Otani and Soto move, but. I think like Castillo should move, you know, a guy like Frankie Monta. Some of these teams that just aren't in it that have, you know, these kind of real pure rental pieces um, that, you know, teams would want. There's no way that those guys should not move. Um, You know, even like Contreras, you know, the Cubs, they suck. So um, those guys should move and I think they will move. And I think uh, prices, I think the the word on the street is that they're going to be, you know, pretty high. So I think you'll see decent returns for a lot of these I think that in terms of the Red Sox, if the Red Sox were in first place right now, I my position would be that they are going to sell and buy. That's just how they they operate. I mean, you look at the Rays last year, they're um, one and a half games out of first place chasing the Red Sox at the deadline. What do they do? They move their closer for a guy who has an extra year of, uh, you know, of arbitration. Like, I just think that that's how that model works. If the, the ask is good enough, no matter, you know, where you are, then you do it because long-term, you know, that's going to make sense. And I think that that's just how those guys operate to a fault. So um, the question is, are they going to buy or not? I would like to see them not, but even if they do buy, I think that they'll still sell to some degree. If they're full selling, um, Yeah. I think they'll weigh the prices for the guys that have qualifying offers, but some of these other guys who are pure rentals like Matt Strom or, you know, maybe even Vasquez, I'd like to see them keep him, but you know, Connor Wong is really good defensively. Maybe you reach a a deal with like a Kevin Pilecki again on a short money. So they got some pieces that I think will get moved no matter what. And I think that there's some pieces that if they're full selling that they will. Mm -hmm. Zach. What about you? What, what do you feel about the trade deadline from a league-wide perspective and from a Red Sox perspective? Whew. DR just gave oh, – it's a good one. Um, league, I, the one thing we disagree about, I think, is Juan Soto. I think there's no doubt he gets moved. Um, just, there's no reason for the Nationals to, to keep him. They're, he's made it clear he's not signing with them, and you might as well just – get a shit ton for him and start developing those guys be right now. So I, so if he gets moved, then it would, it's going to be a crazy one. If he doesn't get moved, then it's, it'll be a pretty typical one. I mean, athletics seems like every year 
they're moving some starting pitcher at the at the deadline because uh, they're out of it by now. The Reds, Castillo should go. Uh, Contreras should go from the Cubs. David Robertson, their closer, probably gets moved to uh, to a contender. The Red Sox, man, I think it will be a crazy one. I think they're just going to be. I think he's going to be. Heim's going to be moving people. Mm. Uh, I. It's going to be really interesting the next week. You got this four game series with the Guardians, and then you got the Brewers. If they can show life against two potential playoff teams, maybe, maybe you, man, I don't even see the thing is that they're not going to go out and get a Castillo or a big time starting pitcher like that. That's going to make a difference for them in the playoffs. So I don't really see the point of them being buyers. I don't think that they have the pieces or the willpower to go get what they need to actually be contenders. So I think you just sell sell off what you can and ride out the rest of the year. Yeah. yeah I, go ahead, that, That's a good point, Zach. Even if the Red Sox were buying, they're not – I mean, just look at last year's deadline. They're not emptying the piggy bank. They just – they won't. You're going to get, like, a couple relievers that you'd never heard of, you know, mm-hmm. if that. You might get just one, and then you might get, like, Maybe an outfield bat and a first baseman, honestly, probably like one of the two and not even both. And again, it'll be like, I don't know, maybe CJ Cron doesn't get moved and late. There's like good value there and they pick him up or, you know, some outfielder who, yeah, I don't even know. It's, it's just not, they're not, it's not in the nature to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I kind of lean a little bit towards DR. I think they will definitely pick and choose their spots on whether they buy and sell. I think they will definitely try and fix the first base situation, which from both hitting and fielding perspective has been a tough scene for some time. Uh, they will likely add a bullpen arm, maybe two. I, I do agree on that. It'll probably be just one like DR said. Uh, but I do think, like Zach said, they should really try and sell off some some pieces, some of those rental guys uh, that probably won't be brought back, and see what see what you can get for them. Because unless, like Zach said, they really start a big turnaround and go on a torrid stretch this week, which would, in my mind, is taking at least three out of four from the Guardians and then at least winning the series against the Brewers. Like if you're not, if they don't at least win five of the next seven. Before the deadline, uh, I just don't see how you can fathom really putting any much stock on a turnaround when they still got plenty of games against the AL East and they've got a massive amount of games against at least uh, average, if not above average and better teams. So I, I, I really do think you have to probably lean towards selling but maybe try and and fill in a gap here and a gap there on the low uh, if you can find some an option like that. I, I think getting a guy like Josh Bell for first base from the Nationals, I don't know if if they can really make the case for that right now. Uh, I, I don't know if, if Bell is even available, but that was a guy that was a, a hot name for the Red Sox to pursue to kind of fill it, plug in at first base and – now I'm not even sure if they're going to make that uh, overture. So it, it will definitely be an interesting week for the Red Sox. And it's going to really make or break uh, the future of this organization. So 
my final question to you guys is kind of two-pronged. It's this. Do you guys think that the Red Sox will be able to turn things around in time to make some sort of playoff push? And I think I know what the answers are based off of what your guys have said over the course of this podcast. And then B, what is the team's future if they just miss out on the postseason entirely this year? So, DR, I will start with you. So, in terms of can they turn things around to make a playoff push, I'm going to say no. And the reason partly that I'm saying no is that I think this team will sell. Um, and I think that you're sending the message to the locker room, both that, yeah, we don't, but we don't believe in this team. And also, um, you know, you're going to lose some guys. I think that they're already, yeah, I don't want to give them the injury pass. I know I kind of talked about that earlier, but there've been a lot of people that are just straight up underachieved and, and not played uh, good baseball for large chunks of this year. Um, what is the future of this team? This team honestly is at a crossroads. I think next year you got a lot of money coming off the books. You know, Evaldi, that's, that's a decent chunk there. Bogarts is um, going to be opting out almost assuredly. So that's a decent chunk there. Um, Vasquez is another like $7 million. You've got some pieces that are going to be up. I think I'm forgetting at least one more. Um, they're they're cut, definitely going to cut JBJ or, you know, at least not pick up that option. Um, their payroll is probably going to be like $120 million going into this offseason. You're going to have some decisions to make. And I think that last year you saw a team that was in first place not really make a ton of moves and address some of the real big issues uh, that this team had at the deadline. So I think if you're in fourth place, maybe fifth place, I just don't see them buying. I see them selling. uh, And I would like to say that the future could be pretty bright because they will have the flexibility. They should have the flexibility to sign Devers and another superstar, especially if a chunk of their rotation is made up of these Josh Winkowski's and Brian Bayo's and these people who are making just absolute pennies on the dollar. Um, yeah. Okay. Zach, give me your thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, I, I think this next week is going to have a very telling story to both of these questions. Uh, if you do sell off, you, you do send out JD and some of these other bigger pieces, then yeah, then they got no shot. Um, with how shitty JD has been playing recently in Bogarts and they, all these guys stay, they don't sell then. Yeah, they definitely have a chance. I mean, pound for pound, their offense when healthy and when these guys are actually not playing like shit at talent wise, right up there would, I'd put them right up there with any offense in baseball. So can they turn it around if they keep all these guys? Sure. Um, Pitching just has to pitch good enough. And then if your offense is that that good, then you're going to win games. Look at the Yankees. Um, and then coming years, got a lot of pieces coming up through the farm system. Some prospects make it, some prospects don't. That's the thing when you're trading prospects at the deadline. You can trade all these guys and you can think all these guys are nasty and some of them are going to be good and most of them, 80% of your top 10 probably won't be big leaguers. I, I think they show, I looked back and it was like the Mets, like 2017 uh, top 10 prospects list, Ahmed Rosario and like in or 2015, it was like Ahmed Rosario and Jacob deGrom were two of their top 10 other eight guys. Never, never hear from again. 
So not every prospect is going to be Jacob deGrom, but you can give up some pieces and it might look like a lot now, but in the future it might be nothing. That's the thing with prospects. It's a crapshoot. You never know who's going to have their head on right when they get to the bigs. Mm. So even when selling, you get these guys back, they look great on paper. You never know until they, until they actually get up there. I don't know. I think it's going to be a long road with the Yankees in this division. They're pretty damn good right now. Yep. And I think the the Red Sox really have to, from an organizational standpoint, just have to decide, can we compete with our own division? If the answer is simply put no, then you got to sell and try and retool for the future and try and get, get kind of pushed through a rebuild, a quick rebuild phase as quickly as possible. If the answer, if they believe truly that the answer is yes, then they need to kind of do more of the Zach approach and pick and choose the spots for buying and selling, fix the obvious holes and maybe kind of sell off pieces that you think you can get away without having on your roster. Uh, But right, right now, from what I've seen, I think the answer has to be no. And you kind of have to, to look towards who is a part of your long-term roster kind of strategy. And so that's, that's, that's what it's really going to come down to. And yeah, this next week is going to play a big part on that, even though it's not against division rivals. Um, but they, they've, they've got some big decisions to make between now and next Tuesday. So I think that's going to do it for this edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. Do either of you have any final, final thoughts on this one? I do. I know what the answer is. Go ahead. Fuck Duke. Thank you, DR. Yeah, Jaron Duran needs to get his head on straight. I agree. We didn't even bring up either of, of that or the Verdugo incident. So we'll... well, just his press conference after he was just he was he was an ass. Oh, that's even worse. Oh god. If you, if you haven't if you hadn't heard and you made it this far in the podcast, go look up that press conference. You will throw up. I'm throwing up just thinking about what excuse he made for why he didn't do that, why he didn't run after the ball, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, yikes. So I think that's a good place to leave off for a big yikes on the Red Sox right now. And so for Dan Roach and Zach Lacey, I'm Ryan Brown, and we will see you next time.